have eight emotions. And I start with that on YouTube, like epic trick shots are kind of like in the wow category. Then there's LOL, really funny. Then there's like, oh, that's so heartwarming or cute. Then there's like, what the fuck, right? Like, is this, you know, WTF? Like, I'm outraged. How could this be? And this is where like a lot of the social justice stuff falls into because so wrong that I have to share. People only share if I'm going to hit these eight emotions. You don't sit down and say, what do I want to write? No, you sit down and you say, what would make Jenny in her bedroom share? Some people write to express themselves. Some people write to impress other people. I write for a result. <laughs> That's just how I'm wired. And so I write to get a reaction, whether it's buy my shit, try my shit, reply to my shit, care about my thing, whatever it is, I want a reaction. What is up, you sexy bastards? It is your boy, the Taco Shiba, a.k.a. Rabbi Kanloos, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talked to Sean Puri. He is an entrepreneur, investor, and the co-host of the top 10 business podcast, My First Million. Sean knows how to hack attention better than just about anyone. And within the last year, his podcast has climbed to the top of the charts. He's grown his Twitter following by more than 10x. And recently, he raised $4 million from a single tweet. Damn. If you ever want to learn about how to build a cult following in a matter of months, you are going to love this episode. In this conversation, here's three gigantic things. Number one. Sean's framework for going viral on Twitter. Dose, what business ideas he is most excited about. And three, the number one quality to being a successful entrepreneur. Enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. Before we dive in the show, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash okdork. I'll see you there. Also, appsumo.com. If you are not on the appsumo.com newsletter, I don't know what you're doing with your life. If you want to start or grow any online business, appsumo.com. And a special pre-show shout out to Chaim K. No location, but he said he is the arc of the hero. We are blessed to have Noah taking us on his weekly adventures. Like his biblical namesake, Noah implores us to think globally, take action, as become a savior of our collective sanity. Damn, really? Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Thank every other one of you gorgeous listeners. And if you want to shout out in a future episode, leave a review or a tweet anywhere online. I check every single one of them. If you want to learn more about Sean, make sure you subscribe to his podcast, My First Million, and follow him on Twitter at S-H-A-A-N-V-P. The most important thing to talk about today. So if you fired Sam and replaced him on the show, because you are obviously the star of my first million. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Who would be the co-host that would really help you guys go to the next level? I was just telling somebody this today. Well, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. the dynamic, right? My show is going to be called My First Two Million. Right? Well, like, I'm sorry, my first billion was the way to go, right? <laughs> Touche. All right, so what were you telling someone? So Sam has, uh, there's a girl who works at the Hustle, uh, Steph. I don't know if you know her. Really smart. I like this. She, uh, she like runs trends, I think, or she like does all the research, finds really interesting stuff. She's doing a podcast. And I told her just before this, like an hour ago, I go, she's about to release a podcast. I said, don't take this the wrong way. Like this is an insult and a compliment. Like you're too normal for a podcast. And she goes, what? And I was like, you know what? Like for a podcast to work, you've got to have kind of an extreme personality. I said, that's why it works with Sam. Sam's so extreme. All I got to do is just set it up. I'll just bring something up and he'll be like, that's horrible. No, that's stupid. And then like two seconds later, he'll be like, no, well, I can see that. And like, you know, that's what's entertaining to people is a character. A character. And I said, you can't be just smart. You can't give just information. You're giving broccoli. People don't want broccoli. And so I was telling her, I was like, you got to practice. Take that knob that you have in you that like you set to five because that's not too loud. It's not too quiet. And you got to turn it to nine. All right. Before we go forward in the show and meeting Sean Purry, how do I say your name properly? You said it right. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Let's do a compliment circle for Sam. I I, the, I hated Sam, straight up. Sam Parr, hated him when I first met him, hated him for years. And now I will say straight up, un, unabashedly, I love Sam. He's one of yeah. he's become one of my closer friends. I'd like to get even closer with him, not physically, but just as a friendship. And just like, he's just a great person. He's got a lot of quirks. He's got a lot of character. And it's just like, it's cool that he's in this earth. And it's yes. just like, I feel grateful. Sam, if you listen to the show, which you don't, 
Uh, props. <laughs> Someone uh, tell Sam. <laughs> so here, you do yours, and I'll tell you my Sam story, and we'll get into some of the, the deeper, hard-hitting questions. Okay. What is it? What are your you know favorite thing or two about Sam? Well, today before, so I'm staying at Sam's house. I'm visiting Austin, staying at his house. He's like, "You want to get a workout in?" I was like, "Great, love it. Let's do it." And we go, and um, his idea of a workout was like, "Let's box each other. Like, let's actually like." Here's some gloves. I have some gloves. Put this headgear on. And, like, let's just have, like, a boxing match in my garage. And so that's what we did. Ten rounds of fighting each other in front of nobody. <laughs> so that's what I love about Sam is that, Sam, if you hang with Sam, you're going to end up places that you otherwise wouldn't have gone. That's a, right? Dude, that's a great You're going to take it to a level that you weren't otherwise going to take it. One thing just to compliment you. So, Sam, I was going to say RIP, but that's not actually what you would have said. <laughs> Sam, uh, L-O-V-E. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I would highlight, you want, I don't know if you notice this, but when you ask, answer a question or when you tell things, you do it in a story format. Do you, are you intentional about that? Because that's actually an effective way of teaching, which I know it sounds coming important to you, but also a way of people remembering what you're talking about. At this point, I don't consciously think, okay, let me come up with a story for that. But yeah, I'm a big believer that people remember stories, not facts. So why might as well explain things in terms of stories instead of facts. And so yeah. that's, that's how I try to do it. Yeah, I mean, it, it is powerful. I notice, like, if I get interviewed or if I'm trying to do sales pitches or if I'm talking, it's like, right, try to share the story. Um, or when I do interviews, I'm always like, go for the story. Totally. If, if you watch a movie and you watch the beginning of a movie, you'll see them do something that, like, and it's like, if you're in Hollywood, it's like obvious. You don't even need to explain this, but like, they'll show, like, did you watch Cobra Kai, the, the show that came in? Never die. Right, exactly. So at the beginning, they don't, there's no dialogue, but they're just showing, um, like the, the guy waking up and he goes to his like fridge and he just pulls out like a, like a frozen, like, you know, just like a, a hot dog. And he just like eats the hot dog for breakfast. And it's like, that told you everything you need to know about where this guy is at in life. Like he woke up, he had a beer can next to the bed. He went and grabbed a hot dog out of the fridge for breakfast. And so how do you get people to feel a certain way or know something without, it's like that TikTok meme. Tell me you're like a loser in life without telling me you're a loser in life. So, so that's what you want to do. That's what I want to do with most things. It's like, if I want to tell you Sam's a great guy, if I say Sam's a great guy, that's like Subway, eat fresh. Well, it just doesn't mean anything at this point, right? But if we share two stories about Sam, people in their own head are going to immediately draw the conclusion. Sounds fun. Sounds interesting. Sounds like a good guy, whatever, right? Like he's a good friend. And so I just think it's more effective to show or tell a story rather than to, to get them to indirectly get to the conclusion rather than just saying, here's the conclusion, trust me, because nobody trusts anyone. We're all just like preaching the same things, right? Like, this is great, try it, you know? It's funny, I was at the dentist today and he was going to recommend something. I was like, I don't trust you, man. It's a friend of mine. <laughs> I thought he was going to recommend to do something dental. Work. I was like, I don't trust. I need to go verify this. Um, so I got a little story on this. So one of, the first, one of the first businesses I started was a sushi delivery company. And we could talk about why, but why, why I did this crazy idea. But 21 years old and we were like, okay, what do we stand for? Why are people going to order from us? And so we were like, well, delivery is usually pretty slow, 45 minutes to an hour. We want to be fast. And so we went, we wrote on the website, fast delivery. And it's like, okay, cool. We showed it to some friends and they're like, what do you think? Would you, would you order from this? Like, well, I don't know. I don't really, I've never heard of it. So honestly, I'd probably not order from this. I'd probably order from a place I know. We're like, but what about the delivery? It's so fast. Like, well, we don't know what that means. And we were like, oh, interesting. So first we were like, fast delivery, kind of sucked. Then we were like, 20-minute delivery, guaranteed 20-minute delivery. Okay, so starting to get more compelling as we go. And then we realized, how do we actually get them to think that this is fast and that we care about speed beyond just the first time they see it on the website? So we used to include in every order a little business card, a little fact 
about a fun fact about us. We went to the city and we mapped from our kitchen to downtown Denver. We mapped the routes where there's no red lights. Like we can only hit green lights at each time of the day. Our driver knows which route to take. In reality, this saves like, I don't know, maybe a minute. And it really wasn't super accurate. But that story went viral. They say people would tell other people in other offices would know about the story because it seemed like if you really gave a shit about being fast, that's an extreme thing you would do. In the same way that we saw that Five Guys Burgers, the, the burger joint, they have no freezer. And they're like, our beef is never frozen. We don't even own a freezer in the restaurant. In reality, I don't even know if most restaurants freeze their beef. I don't know if that's common or not. But it's like a way to say fresh without saying fresh food. Because fresh food, everyone's saying it. Yeah. But if the restaurant tells a story about how they don't have freezers, people start to believe, well, it's got to be pretty fresh. Well, coming into like talking stories and making things engaging, like... Would you, I would say recently, your, obviously your podcast has done really well, and we'll talk about that. But I think you've become known as like a meme lord. And not necessarily memes, but like Twitter viral, right? Yeah. Like you have cracked some code with the current algorithm yeah. uh, that has really popular content. Um, I was curious on two parts to walk me through that process of how do you come up with this stuff? Because I think, you know, a lot of people out there are like, I want to be a content creator. I want to build up an audience. And do you think anyone can do it? Let's just start. Let's start with that. And then maybe walk me through your process of how you approach that. Yeah, I think most people can do it. I don't think it's, uh, some people are going to, it's going to be easier and they're going to do better. They're going to go higher, right? Like higher highs. But I think anybody can build an audience for sure. In fact, I see it all the time. People just copy the same things that me and some other people are doing on Twitter. Like I had this intern. You actually, you saw this guy, the, my, my apprentice. Uh, so this, guy, this guy, Chris H. Yeah, Chris H. We don't know how to say his last name. So we call Hologi- him Chris H. Hologitech. Yeah. <laughs> can you try pronouncing it? Halasdok. I don't know. I, I never asked him, but you, if you spell it, it's like letters that don't go together. Uh, finish the story. I want to. So, hear. so he was like, uh, I think I reached out to him actually. I was like, hey, I need like kind of somebody to help me with content stuff. I'll take you under my wing. I'll teach you what I know, and you hustle for me. That's the trade. We want to do that or not? He's like, yes. So he, he himself, when when he joined, he had like a thousand followers on Twitter. He's got like forty thousand followers now. And all he did was just take the same stuff we were doing and just implemented it for himself. He's a college senior. So it's not like he's got this like business wisdom to share or these like crazy life experiences, right? Like he has no unfair advantages except for like he kind of like tries and reverse engineered what was working. So I do think you can get to some level of success just by following like the building blocks and the best practices of what works on the internet. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Well, I like the idea that like, for example, on our YouTube content, uh, youtube.com slash okdork or on, what is your twitter it's sean sean vp sean vp on twitter on youtube we have put out 150 videos in a year and recently in the past two months we started or past month excuse me we have basically now we've recruited people to pitch us ideas and so we have a shit ton of more ideas right versus the just us three on the team and then with those ideas we try to look for any type of external validation Right. So on Twitter has this topic gone viral like is it right. something that you put out or someone else put out or is there a YouTube video in the same or different genre. Right. For example, we did a one, Ali Abdal, one of my favorite YouTubers, put out a video about how his passive income is doing. Yep. Two million views. Right. And then the team was like, you want to do it? I was like, I hate passive income. I hate people talking about right. passive income, but I can talk about the money that comes in. And I'll, I'll, and I'll say I hate passive income. Right. That video blew up for us. Right. Instead of, I think, a lot of people trying to reinvent the wheel. Totally. When you may not have to. Yeah. I so it's not like, like Chris and all that stuff, but to figure out, you know, I like what you said about unfair advantage. And I think the other part is figure out what world you can have an advantage in. Like Chris is a college student. Right. You're not going to out college. Yes. Exactly. Unless, you, unless you're going to be So that's why I told him, I go, Chris, you clearly get the basics of like how to like do this, how to write the content, how to write it well so that the first tweet gets a hook and then people share it, all this stuff. 
But like right now you're you're competing against a bunch of people because you, he's in the niche of like life advice, business advice. I'm like, dude, you haven't lived or done business yet. So like you're competing against people who are, have a lot more ammo to bring to the table. But you could do stuff that's about a college senior that I can't do. I'm out of touch, dude. I went to college 10 years ago. Like, so I can't compete with you there. So that's where Naval has this quote, escape competition through authenticity. And that's the way to go is like, do the thing that is most natural, most interesting to you, the thing that you uniquely know, and boom, all of a sudden you're competing against no one because there's nobody else who has your life experience. It is funny you say that on the YouTube videos, we struggled in the past year where it's been like this. Yeah. And then recently it's like, let's just make videos that obviously we've had, not obviously, but we've validated in terms of like, there's a high likelihood to succeed. And there's something unique. Like, guess what? No one else started out single. Right. Exactly. No one else worked. And I have this story to tell. And and so I think that's where I finally started finding our team's voice, which is like, let's tell our stories. And now the video is like almost every video is doing really well. This happened with the podcast too, because I started the podcast, My First Million. The, The reason it was called My First Million was I was going to interview a bunch of people. You made a million dollars. How'd you do it? You made a million dollars. How'd you do it? Just go different walks of life. It was an interview show, like most business podcasts. And so I was doing that. It was doing okay. It wasn't doing great. It wasn't doing horrible. But when we switched and it was, I just said, had Sam, hey, come on Friday and let's just shoot the shit like we do when we're just hanging out. And you're like, oh, dude, I'm trying this thing. I'm like, well, is that working? Is it not? Or you'll, I'll be like, have you seen this? Oh, dude, you got to hear this. This thing is crazy. Let's just do that on camera. And we did it once, twice. By the second time, it was obvious that people loved it. it. And so it became the whole show. I never do any interviews anymore. It's like the show is me and Sam shooting the shit. Nobody can really compete with me and Sam shooting the shit because you got to have Sam, you got to have me, and you got to be able to shoot the shit. And so we're the only brainstorming podcast. So if you wanted to hear people brainstorming business ideas, oh, there's not another one that does it. So I was telling you, like, we're kind of high-fiving myself. I was like, we hit top 10. We hit top 10 today. That's hard, dude. We'll talk about podcasts later. And so I think that's the reason why. It's not like we did some amazing growth hack. It's that we escaped competition just by doing something, you know, original that was unique to us. All right. So in terms of your viral tweet process, I guess let's take two steps back. Let's take one step back on it and go into it. One, you talked about the Twitter bio paradox, like Poser, who sounds famous. Like anyone who puts forwards of 30 into 30, I know they're not significant. Yes. That sounds rude, but it's true. And the other side is the super successful people that are like... Yeah, adventurer. Yeah, just a guy. That you know, was, yeah. Family man. <laughs> that was great. And then the clubhouse failing, I don't want to get into that one too deep, but basically I saw it and I was like, oh, that's fire. Because you had some really strong, detailed opinion around it. How did you decide Twitter you wanted to go all in and, and try to build up the audience? And then walk me through a straight process, want to maybe pull up a tweet yeah, and yeah. walk me through like how you, how you came up with that one. So and- I chose Twitter. So I wanted to grow an audience. I think that audience is... I'm preaching to the choir, but an audience is one of the most valuable assets you can have. And so I view, I view you know, having an audience like owning a, you know, 300 unit apartment building, it's just going to give you sort of this uh, passive income, but the income is not, the income is attention in, in terms of an audience. And so, uh, so I wanted that. I said, all right, what's the fastest way to get it? Well, I want my content to spread. So I picked Twitter because Twitter has the retweet button. And so I thought if I, I could try Instagram, I could try YouTube, but this Twitter has a button right there for anybody just to instantly reshare. So I said, that is even though it's probably the least valuable audience, I think I could spread the fastest there. And I'm pretty lazy. So I was like, I'll take fast, you know, I'll take fast over quality. And so that was my goal. And in four or five months, I added like 100,000 followers through just basically viral tweets. At first, I thought, oh, it's going to be a consistency thing. Because you hear this for content all the time. It's like, it's all about consistency. 
And th- there was a consistent amount of effort, like trying like attempts at viral tweets, but the results were very spiky. It was just, I either hit or it gave me nothing. And so it was about six tweets that went viral that added over 100,000 followers in six in like four months, something like that. Damn. Yeah. Do you remember the six? Not all of them, but the ones you mentioned, the Clubhouse one was pretty massive. I got on CNBC from it, you know, so it's like a tweet can take you pretty far. And then some of the other ones were, you know, sharing like income things. So I had a, I had a newsletter I was doing that was making 50K a month and I shut it down. And so I, my tweet was basically, so I thought the paid newsletter thing was pretty dumb when I heard about it. So I tried it and I was pretty surprised. I actually ended up making $50,000 a month, but recently decided to shut it down. Here's the backstory. And so people wanted to hear that whole thing. Like you came around on newsletters, you made $50,000 a month. That sounds awesome. How'd you do that? And they're like, why the heck would you shut that down? So that had all the elements of people are going to read this and they're going to share it with other people because it was topical too. Like Substack is getting popular. So people wanted to, uh, to hear a story like this. Yeah. The Clubhouse one, same thing. Topical. Everybody was saying Clubhouse is the shit. Clubhouse was like spiking like crazy. 10 million downloads in a month. And I had worked in that space before. So I knew where they're going to have some trouble. And so I wanted to... So I basically... I told a very exact... You used to talk about storytelling. I did a very exaggerated story. I didn't just say... I think Clubhouse is going to fail and here's why. And then like product retention is going to be challenging. Like that's what most tech people would do. They would just say like the facts. And I did it differently. I was like, you know, imagine you're the CEO. First of all, you know, right now you're the shit. Everybody's messaging you, telling you blah, blah, blah. So I told it as a narrative, like you're the king Then things start to go wrong and then it all comes crashing down. And that went viral as well. Can you walk me through your process? Like, pick, yeah. like, what's something upcoming that you're working on that you can walk through so people can get an idea of to be inspired in Twitter or in any type of content creation? So, also, so I don't really work on things. I don't have like a bunch of drafts that I'm working oh, on. I'm not okay. like a writer in that way. Like, I just I have some ideas in my head. Like, for example, right now I want to do one about I want to do a commencement speech. Like, nobody invited me to go speak at a college, but I want to write a commencement speech and that will go viral. And I just think that it's going to be timely because it's going to be graduation time. And I think if I do a good one, that's like not the typical thing. I think it will be super shared. But that's just an idea. I haven't written anything down. But let's take the Clubhouse one, for example. Let's play with this because okay, this is a brand new one. Okay. I think the Clubhouse one, you can walk through this. But like, so how do we take them, that to eventually get so, out? So I have two modes. I'm like, either I'm depositing in the bank of trust when I tweet, which means if you already follow me, here's some value. And then, or if I'm not depositing in the bank of trust, I'm going for virality. I'm trying to get this to as many people as I can. So let's talk about the viral one. So for virality, I start, I have a document, a Google Doc. And at the top, I have eight emotions. And I start with that. So the eight emotions will be like, wow, right? I shared something that's like uh, really spectacular or something like that. Like there's like a lot of TikToks like this or like on YouTube, like epic trick shots are kind of like in the wow category. Then there's LOL, really funny. Then there's like, oh, that's so heartwarming or cute, right? Then there's like, what the fuck, right? Like, is this, you know, WTF? Like, I'm outraged. How could this be? And this is where, like, a lot of the social justice stuff falls into because it's news that makes you want to go take action and share. It's so wrong. So wrong that I have to share. And so I know that people only share if I'm going to hit these eight, eight emotions. And um, I had this mental model that actually one of my kind of, like, former interns taught me. He's gone on to be super, super more successful than me. But um, who's that? this guy, Steve Bartlett. I don't know if okay. you know. He, he started Social Chain and eventually went public. But basically, he, he used to say this thing. He goes... You don't sit down and say, what do I want to write? No, you sit down and you say, what would make Jenny in her bedroom share? 
just Jenny's in her bed. She's bored. She's scrolling. She's scrolling. What's going to get her attention and what's going to get her to send it to friends? And so for me, it's either Jenny in her bedroom. It's Debbie at her desk. She's bored at work and she's going to share this with her coworkers. Or it's Ned in his basement, which is like Ned's this like neckbeard type of guy who's like going to share stuff that's like, you know, random like this crypto exchange got hacked and here's how, right? Like that's what Ned wants to share. So those are the three personas. So I decide, all right, who am I going after? Debbie, Jenny, or Ned? And then I basically take the emotions. I say like, uh, one of the emotions, for example, the clubhouse one is finally, it's like relief. Finally, someone said it. And for clubhouse is what I wrote down at the top because I knew a lot of people were kind of like, oh, clubhouse, it's kind of cool, but like hasn't hooked me. And so I knew a lot of people would, would resonate when I said, I don't think it's going to work. And here's why, because it was a finally. So for the commencement one, I'd have to like figure out which one of those is going to be. I haven't picked yet, but I would go through and I would basically pick one of those emotions. I'm working backwards from that. My goal with everything I'm writing right now mm. is to generate that reaction out of the reader. Because if I don't generate a reaction, then that's not why I write. Some people write to express themselves. Some people write to impress other people. I write for a result. <laughs> that's just how I'm wired. And so I write to get a reaction, whether it's buy my shit, try my shit, reply to my shit, like care about my thing, whatever it is, I want a reaction. Well, I like that you're intentional. I, I noticed for myself on Twitter, you know, I've been I'm on Twitter, I think 2006. Yeah. And it's just more of like, oh, I'll just throw this out there and see what happens. Right. And yesterday I, I put out something about why I don't, I don't know why anyone joins a large company. Thousands of, of likes and reach. I was like, and ones that I'm like intentional about that I'm like, I think people are going to like this. Kind of no one. Cares. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's been, but it's, in, but you're, oh, yeah. you're very intentional saying, this is either to give like retention with the current engagement. This is going to bring new people. And then that, let's say commencement one that you, you're like, my intent is to go viral here. You spec it all out. How long does that take? I take the doc. I write the emotion. I'll kind of debate it in my head. I'll be like, all right, it could be this. It could be a wow. It could be a LOL. All right. I'm going to go with LOL. All right, cool. Got it. Boom. I said, then I, then I start with the end of that. Okay. Well, what about this would make someone laugh? Okay. So then I, I have the punchline basically. And then I'll start to set up the frame. Right. And then the last thing I do is I, I rewrite the opener tweet like 25 times. So I'll be like, that's the only thing I wordsmith because I'll be like, if the first tweet doesn't hook you, then you're not going to read the thread and threads are what works on Twitter. Uh, and so I'll really like rewrite and rewrite that first line a bunch of different ways, 25 different ways usually. And then I'll look at it and be like, okay, I think that's the best one to like that's grab somebody. I, one Which thing I, stole, actually... I stole all these pieces from different people. Like I stole the emotion part from this viral ad agency called Rubber Republic. I stole the right 25 things from Upworthy. They used to do this for their headlines. Like, oh, yeah. These are their best practices that I just well, made my, my practice. One thing that you inspired, you just got me inspired to is that if not necessarily, if anyone wants to get viral on Twitter, if you want to get viral on YouTube, whatever those channels are that you're interested in creating uh, content or building community. I was just thinking specifically for Twitter. I was like, go to the explore tab, click on startups, click on business, click on gardening, whatever yeah. your topic is and start just tracking the most popular tweets, and then copy that template. I did that exact thing. So I had a guy on Upwork go scrape. I gave him 50 names of people I think are good at creating content and tech on Twitter. And I said, go scrape their most 10 popular tweets each. Put it all on a spreadsheet. And then I went and looked at it. And I started saying, okay, what are the trends? What's working here? Mm. Oh, you know, like how to, or like, you know, the story of how I did X impressive thing, you know, or X embarrassing failure, right? Those are the things that, you know, so I started identifying some patterns. I'm not going to copy what they said because that's their story. 
but I can copy that format for myself, right? Mm-hmm. Like you were talking about for uh, like AppSumo or whatever, you can be like, how I started AppSumo. Great. Well, the how I started stories work, you know? Well. So, so that's what I'm going to do. One thing that I, I'm curious in terms of this, so that I think that's a great process for anyone out there. And, you know, I like that you're the retweet button thought. Lately, I unfollowed all the viral tweeters yeah. personally, because I, I did wonder, like, am I getting anything out of this or is it just purely entertainment? Right. Chris, your take on that or what's your thought? Like as a, a consumer? Yeah. I was just like, I followed you. I, I like you. I enjoy yeah. it. But I'm... But I'm you unfollowed me. <laughs> well, I was, I'm reading Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. And I was just going to Twitter, I don't know, 20, 30 times a day. Right. And I'm like, what am I... Am I bored? What am I trying to get here? And I was like, nothing. I'm just trying to occupy this time. And it was just like, is there anything that's actually like fulfilling here or uh, substantive? Yeah, I, I think, you know, whatever, back in the 50s, people used to smoke inside airplanes or whatever. Like, that's what it tells you it's going to be, right? Like, it's, uh, it's going to be where I can't believe this was just everybody did it. There was no like limits, controls. It was like, it's going to seem insane because it's really bad for people's mental health, I think to be on social media as much as we all are. And so I think pruning who you follow is incredibly important. It's your diet, right? It's like your, your brain diet. And so like, we're really conscious of like what happens, you know, from the mouth down, but from the mouth up, it's like, whatever, take my mind space, you know? And so I'm extremely conscious of that stuff. So sometimes it's about fasting. Sometimes it's about dieting. And sometimes it's about, you know, sort of substituting or replacing, okay, instead of opening this app, I'm going to open this one. And so, I'm down to create content, consuming content. I do way less, right? I got most people consume 99% create one. I'm trying to have the ratio be more like 80% creation, 20% consumption. And, you know, going to do something else with my time. I wonder if that's just the world. Like there's just always going to be people that just are like, Hey, I'm, I'm actually satisfied consuming. Most people are like that, right? Like that's fair. And I think that's fine. Depends on your goals, but you got to know how you're wired. Somebody said this to me once I was in a meeting and he goes, you know, the difference between sort of good friends and best friends, he goes, good friends, you consume stuff together. Like you go watch a movie or you go to a concert and best friends create stuff together. And so I thought, okay, that rings true for me. And so that's a good, like for the people who I want to be my best friends, let me find excuses for us to create stuff together. It can be small things, big things, businesses, you know, just weekend projects, whatever. And for other people who I'm like, why is this unsatisfying? Well, I got to see why. That's why. It's because we're just consu- we're only consuming food or media together. And like, that's only going to go so far. That's actually a cool experience to go create with people you want to build better relationships with. Right. Whether it's actual like business stuff or just like outside hobbies. Yeah, it can be, you can make music, you can make food, you can make anything. It doesn't really matter. It's like the act of creating. I did these workouts on Wednesdays. With all these, they're all, it's an interesting group. It's all online coaches, okay. like transformational coaches. Right. They have a lot of like Tony Robbins style. They have a lot of hashtags on their Instagram. Let's just say that. <laughs> and they're they're a solid. <laughs> That's the best way to describe it. That's they're, they're a great dude. They have a lot of tattoos. They're very like you know. They seem like they have a lot of answers you would that I would want. And that's a whole separate discussion about that kind of stuff and different dishes, different people. But we do a workout on Wednesdays. I've gone twice now. I'm gonna go every week uh, for the near future. We have like this tribal primal workout on Wednesdays. And there is something there about like getting in a group of all men or getting a group of all women. And then you just do something collectively together. Right. The bonding is crazy. The like pushing for your, each other is crazy. And like very primal. Yes. Like very warriors. I'm a fan. Me and Sam, have, we've talked about this on the podcast about manhood as a service. We're like, yes. Oh, is, sign me up, dude. There is like a lack of places to go, things to do for people for the average. We're like we're all like basically neutered, right? Like we go and we sit this desk in a sterile environment, you know, we're doing this kind of unnatural motion all day, staring at the screen. Then we go home, we stare at a different screen. And on the way we stare at a small screen. Like 
that's life. And so I think there's actually like a pretty deep craving in people yes, for dude. something more real. You see this with like going to nature. You see this with like Tough Mudder and Spartan Race. And it's like, I think that's the sweet spot. It's like, you feel like you're doing something tough and in nature and like challenging yourself, but also everybody can do it and you're going to get cool Instagram photos at the end. So like it gives you both. I think you, I think that's like the smart business move. But yeah, I just think there's going to be a lot more like that where, and Sam, like today when we boxed, uh, Sam was like, I would hit him in the face and I was like, oh, sorry, is that like too, like this is sparring, we're, we're doing it light, you know, we're not trying to hurt each other. So was that too much? And he goes, no, dude, like, you know, I just like, hit me in the face. I want to feel alive. He's just joking. But like, there's something to that, which is if you're always in a safe environment, if you're always like only using your brain and never your body, if you're always doing things kind of alone or disconnected or through words and not clapping, sounds, touch, whatever, connected, you're missing a whole feeling that when you feel it, it becomes very addictive, I think. Yeah. I I think there's an interesting balance of recklessness. This is one of the words where I was speeding on the way home from that workout. I was, you know, considerably speeding in my Tesla. The car was driving. Uh, but I did drive a little fast. I was like, yeah, sometimes you need to fucking feel the speed. I think this is why festivals are so popular right now. I think music festivals are the only places where you can go, turn off your inhibitions, loud music, you're going to feel it, you're dancing, which is also like a movement type of thing. Do drugs, drink, whatever you got to do. And so I think that's why like the Coachellas of the world have only gotten like extremely popular because it is like a great excuse to disconnect and like do like a intensely social intensely like physical primal thing out like out in nature all right so you've already done two business ideas we're going to do top five business ideas from sean purry number one is manhood 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 is a service service. number two is create events so create disconnected concerts potentially or activities that are disconnected from all the tech shit yeah what are other businesses ideas or that you're that i know the audience always loves this kind of stuff other things that you've been thinking about you actually put something on uh like our little notes thing for for the thing we're going to do later that's an idea I've had, which is smelling salts. So I don't know what you what you know about this, but you just wrote the Whoa. word smelling salts. I, I've never used proper smelling salts, but I started working out not too long ago, like eight months ago. And I started thinking about like, you know, I could go into the gym carrying kind of like the baggage of my day, or I could like be in that like good state of mind where I'm like ready to go and I'm, I'm energized and plugged in. And it doesn't take that much to like switch your state. And I thought, it's hard to like think yourself into a different state. That's like the hardest way. Easier way is like do something physical with your body, like do some push-ups or like if you're feeling down right now and you went splash cold water on your face, you'll feel different like without yeah. having without having changed anything in your life, just that. Uh, so smelling salts are like this, right? So smelling salts are something that you use if you get knocked out. It's like ammonia. And uh, but people bodybuilders use this before they lift. Pro football players use this before they go on the field oh. as a way to wake themselves up and get themselves into a peak state, a physiologically peak state. It is the fastest way because your body just reacts. You don't need a motivational talk if you go sniff the shit. And so there's a company that makes this thing called Boomsticks, and they're for something else, but they're like more mild. They're you know you can pick like wintergreen and it smells like Vicks vapor rub, or you can pick berry or whatever. Right? It's very popular. They have like a they had like a Super Bowl commercial, so I think they're doing pretty good. But I started using these before my workout. Where I would, and I would, so I have one that I use before I work at my computer. And it's like a focus thing that I'm anchoring to myself. I have one I use before my workouts. And it's like, no, not, now it's time to get up. And so I'm trying to like map, because our smell is one of our most powerful senses. And so I want to map certain smells to certain ways of acting. So that even one day, if I'm not feeling like being in that state, 
I can just hit the smell and I'm going to get there faster. Yeah. So I think there's a business opportunity to take smelling salts, which are this extreme bro-y thing that only pro weightlifters and athletes will use today and make it more accessible to the like productivity nerd and like keto intermittent faster type of dude to be like, Hey, here's another life optimization. Use your most powerful sense to like get into the state you want to be in, whether it's focus, sleep or energy. And uh, so I think somebody could build a brand around that. Dude, I like that one. I, it's interesting. I've been really thinking a lot more lately about how music triggers. Like you ever work out and then you put on the jam and you're like, it's go time. <laughs> yeah. Like DMX told exactly. me to go. So I like that with the, the smelling of activities. Yeah. Two businesses that I, I thought of recently that I, I was like excited about. One was, one I saw one in Austin. They're small, but it's called Prefix, which is, I just got a new house. There's all these things with the house, right? You have your AC, you have your sink, you have your fridge, you have like washer. You pay a monthly fee, it's like 40 bucks, and they automatically come check twice a year. And then they provide fixing of it. And if you ever need stuff in the interim, they'll come fix it. And so it's, it's kind of it's like preventative medicine. Yeah, but it's like house. an HOA right. for your house. Gotcha. And so I That's just thought, cool. man, like how many people have houses out there? How many of them are always like, I think I should check my washer. What time do I need to check my like totally. fridge and all these things? And like even now, like I can't tell you how many things are broken. And I have to like try to call someone to trust. Right. Versus like just going through one entity that'll provide the, the preventive means and then like they can fix things ongoing. Right. So that's one business I was really interested in because the market's huge. The second one is, did you see Chef come out this week? Which, no. What is S-H-E-F. It? Tell me about it. I actually think this is going to be, a, I think they'll do very well if they execute it. And I think there's going to be a few other competitors, but I think the market is interesting. So it's Airbnb for home cooking. So in Austin, if you're cooking food at home, you could say, hey, here's four dishes I'm making extra of. Does anyone want it? And I just go Lovely. and hit go and you deliver it to my house. Right. And then so at first I was like, oh, that's stupid. Like I can just go to a restaurant that's better food or I can just do Uber Eats or DoorDash or Grubhub and get food delivered. But the reality, then I was thinking, it's like, it's different types of dishes. Home, homemade food tastes different. And it's just a different experience. It's super local to you. Uh, and I think the amount of like unemployed dads and moms or even young people that have the ability to cook and that have kitchens is, is massive. Yes. And they're all like, well, I can make extra money just cooking what I'm already cooking. Right. And you can go literally. And it's just like literally going to Fiverr or Amazon. You hit buy. And then they, for a few bucks, they'll deliver the dish to you. Yeah, that's amazing. I had this. I actually pitched my mom this idea when I first moved to San Francisco. And at that time, the sharing economy was all the rage. I was like, could we do this? Like, basically, there's a lot of good home bakers and chefs. And like, could I shop super local? And I think at the time, one of the challenging things is like the health safety side of things. Similar to Airbnb. Airbnb had this problem too of like, well, what if something bad happens? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but they overcame it. And I think this can do that too. I like that idea. I think what's interesting about some of these ideas is that if you just stick with anything, it'll do well. Like if you just stick <laughs> is that with... that what you believe? Yeah. Not that this idea in its essence will do well, but I was... You'll do well. Yeah. What was I looking at? Um, I'll, I'll pull it up because I want to highlight it. So... There was a guy, Siki, who I know from Facebook Games Day. Right. I know Siki. He's you know Siki, yeah. So Siki is really impressive. He started uh, Sandbox VR, yep. which was like, you know, local VR games. That, you know, as COVID happened, went out, or yeah. went done, went under. And then through that now, they've created Runway. You seen Runway? Yes. So Runway is a manager, companies, finances, basically. Basically what they need from their other business. And it's like, well, if you just keep going, whatever yeah. it is, eventually you'll find something that hopefully works. If you just keep going on the same thing and you do stuff like the same right. result. If you don't adapt, right? So I think that's like the chef idea. I think, you know, there's some things that can work for it, but there's something interesting that there's a lot of kitchens, a lot of people home cooking. Right. There's some angle that this could potentially work. There's two great quotes around this. One is, uh, Naval said this once, he goes, I've met all these people in Silicon Valley. I thought these guys, you know, this person's smart, that person's smart. And he goes, startups fail, but entrepreneurs don't, which is 
many of their startups failed, but over a 10-year period, almost all of them became successful. And the ones that didn't sort of moved away or quit. And so, so interesting. I was if you take a 10 to 15 year look, it's been true in my life. I don't know if it's with your 10, group of 10 year rule, 10 yeah. year rule, dude. Exactly. So I think that's very comforting as an entrepreneur. Okay. Just so now what's the, what's the second part? What, what makes sure that that happens? Well, people talk about persistence, sticking with it and persistence is good, but persistence is a little bit misleading because do I keep doing the same thing that isn't working? No. So what you need is persistent adaptation. So how do you continually be super adaptive to whatever you're learning, whatever you're trying, whatever you're doing, and not give up that process? So it's like, people think it's like this, and no, it's more like this. And so that's the mental model I use now when I meet entrepreneurs and I invest in them. It's like, I don't know if this idea is going to work, but if you invest, if you let me invest in your next 15 years, I know I'm going to win in the end because you're going to win over the next 10 to 15 years. You will win even yeah. if this startup fails. And secondly, like, Stick with it, but keep adapting what you're doing. Like, I don't know, like, is AppSumo the same? Like, was it the same? Like, did you guys get it right the first time? Because sometimes you do. Sometimes you get it right. I think most of the mega large companies got it right the first time. The first, so yeah. think about it. Google, Google, Facebook, Amazon. Google, Facebook, Twitter, yep. Amazon. Well, Twitter kind of, right? Because Twitter was... Status updates, though. But it was Odeo before that, right? So those same, that same crew True. was building a different product. One thought I was having this morning, I, I'm pitching a book, and I was talking to all these publishers, and we are discussing it this morning, is... I was thinking about James Clear and I was thinking about Ramit. And these guys have been successful for a long time. And I was like, what is the underlying theme about them? That, you know, anybody who's, you know, in our society, we're, we're deeming successful. I was like, they follow through, right? And then maybe it's not the first idea that it is, but I think that the two kind of concepts is like, they said they're going to do something and they did. Right. <laughs> and it's like, how many other people are like, yeah, I want to, like, I, I, there's a guy who wanted to be Twitter famous. And I'm not knocking him, but after two weeks, he's like, yo, this is hard. Right. And he stopped. Yes. So it's interesting that those people follow through with what they say. And obviously, I think you have a great point, which is you're iterating. I think the other component, I was hanging out with a friend this morning. We were swimming. He runs a crocheting website. It's one of the largest crocheting websites online. He makes millions of dollars a year. Amazing. But what's fascinating about that is, and he's doing really well with it, is that it's also interesting. If he's not, I'm not smarter than him. I have no skills that are really that much better than him. We're about the same. I just, I'm in a better, better and bigger mind. Yeah. So I do think as well as following through with something, find categories that potentially are going to be a lot bigger are already gigantic. Yes. Find the right wave to surf. So that was an interesting kind of experience to, to notice this morning. Is it a business? That's interesting for you. Do you bet on the business idea or do you bet on the person? Yeah. I'm market. Maybe both. I don't know. So it depends, right? Like if I'm, if I'm operating on something, like market is what matters. If I'm investing, I start by looking at a market and then I find the good founders in it because a good founder can change market. But I would never invest in somebody hoping that they're going to pivot, right? I'm trying to invest at a point where I think they're going to, they think they have a good idea. And if need be, they'll pivot. And so I think that says a lot. Like you bet on the person, not necessarily just on the category. Ideally, it's a great category too. Right. It's very popular to just say, I bet on people. Because it sounds fucking great. You sound like Mr. Nice Guy to say, I just bet on people. In reality, I think the smarter filter is market first. Find the great people within that market. Because there are, there's always great people in every market. So pick the great markets first and you'll end up doing better. Uh, two questions. So this weekend, it is now Thursday. You have to make $100 from Friday to the end of Sunday. How do you approach it? 100 bucks. 100 bucks. And you, you have everything you have now. You have your network. You have your family. You have your friends. Like you're at 2021, Sean. Well, okay. I think the boring answer is I'm like, hey... I'll coach somebody for an hour on Twitter. Yeah, and, no Go on. Uh, hey, I'll do an hour of coaching. 
uh, hundred bucks an hour. Here's a sign up link, and I'll just send them a Stripe link to go pay for it. So that's the easy answer. Mm-hmm. I think the more fun answer would be, if I didn't have one hundred fifty thousand Twitter followers. How would I do it? Well, I think the way I would do it is it's pouring rain out here, and I would probably go buy some umbrellas, and then I'd go to like Sixth Street or wherever, and I would buy the umbrellas for two dollars or whatever, and I would sell them for eight, and uh, you know, just solve a mini problem that people are having in that moment, and try to like hustle to 100, right? I need to sell 12 umbrellas, uh, you know, 15 umbrellas and I'm there, something like that. Taking the, yeah. even with the cost, right? So 20, 20 umbrellas maybe. How have you made money in the past? How have you kind of got some $100 beyond businesses started? Um, poker was a big one for me. That was, that was always my go-to. How to make money was poker. Now it's things like investing and like I launched a course yesterday that did this done really well. So that's good. Was it like a Twitter course or what was the course on? A course on writing. Uh, I call it power writing, basically for people who want to write to get results, like like going viral or a cold email that people actually open, things like that. I basically stole a bunch of stuff Sam's taught me, and I was like, I can teach this course now. <laughs> what I learned from him, Where I need that it from. I learned it from someone else. <laughs> yeah, from Neville or you or somebody. Well, I yeah. don't know. We all learned it from somebody else. <laughs> I think what's interesting about the $100 weekend challenge, we call it Million Dollar Weekend, which is just getting a business, getting it going. Yes. I actually think everyone has some type of advantage. Right. And they should take advantage of it. Like you've built up an audience of people that want to hear from you on Twitter, but people have done it with cooking. People have done it with fitness. People have right. done it with like Nick Gray does activities. Yes. Like he could sell tickets and be like, hey guys, I'm going to host. I've done these free hosting things. Maybe I could sell it. Right. But it's funny that we call Here's it boring. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think it's boring. I, actually, my friend Trevor once started this thing called Startup Weekend or Lean Startup Weekend or something like that, where they would go city to city. And it's like, hey, this weekend you're going to start a business. It may not last past Sunday, but like Friday, you're going to come up with the idea. Saturday, you're going to validate it. And Sunday, you're going to launch it and like get your first customer. That should be like a public service, like a public good. That, like It's like YMCA, but for entrepreneurship or something like that. That should be in every city to help people out because most people get stuck at before they start overthinking it. You know, oh, it's got to be X, Y, Z before I start. Then like kind of once you start, you get to that middle point and you're like, this sucks. This is never going to work because it's like you're not done yet and you haven't like got to the end. And then there's the perfectionist point right before you launch where you're like, uh, I'm not ready yet, you know? And so I think just being able to get five reps where that gets out of your system and the overthinking it is gone and the perfectionist is gone, like that would be really valuable for people. Just getting the reps in of starting a business. Maybe that's what I would do in the weekend. I would host a thing and be like, if you've ever thought about starting a business and you haven't done it for one of these seven bullshit reasons, come to this thing. We'll launch a pop-up startup. I'll teach you how to do a pop-up startup in a weekend. I know this stuff like the back of my hand. I can teach you how to do it. And I'll sell the tickets for whatever, 20 bucks a pop. Or one ticket for a hundred. Yeah, you're done with it. I was, I was trying to think for myself how I would approach it. I think the first thing that I would, if I had to make a hundred dollars like in the next hour, yeah. I was just like, who is a friend that not owes me, but that I trust? And, just collect. <laughs> yeah, like pay up, Neville. Like you know, you've been coattailing for, and I coattail off him. And it's just like, hey, I need a hundred dollars. Right. And... It's maybe easier than people think. Not to just go ask people for a hundred. That's kind of a Ponzi scheme. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, where in your network can you then start helping people that you already... Like when I started AppSumo, I'm in startup world. I know all these software deals. Well, not all of them. I know software. And I just tell other software people like, hey, maybe you guys want to buy this. Yeah. And I think people try to do it too much out of their, their comfort zone. Right. Too much out of... The, not comfort, but their effective zone. Maybe is a better way of putting it. Yeah, I think that's true. Um I think that's true. And I think there, most people really underwrite how valuable it would be to actually go try this once. I remember my first startup, we had spent, uh, I don't know, like six months. We were still in the like planning, raising money, doing all the like, what I call like playing dress up. 
for startup. It's like you're doing all the things except for giving a product to customers and seeing how they feel. And me and my co-founder, we got really sick of it. One weekend, we're like, dude, we're just going to have a fling. This weekend, we're just going to start a business. We're going to launch it. We're going to make like $1,000 of money. We want $1,000. Um, we kept saying $1,000 of money. <laughs> like $1,000 of what else? <laughs> so we launched this little wristband thing. He had seen that on college campuses, people were wearing these thick kind of silicone bands that had like some text on it, like pie made a fi or whatever, right? Like I was like, dude, we can get that off Alibaba right now. And like we spun up a website, thefatband.com. And then we hit up our whole network and was like, hey, anybody got like an event or have like a, a team or a sorority or anybody that you want swag for? We can get you these things for cheap. I'll, just send me your, what you want and I'll send you a mock-up. Mm. And we like manually made the mock-ups and we ended up making like $1,400 in a weekend doing this, uh, a thousand, over a thousand of which was profit, basically just drop shipping these little plastic bands. I learned more doing that than I did like, you know, my last semester of college, for example. So I think people would underrate how valuable it is to actually try this experience. experience. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Just getting the reps in. What, how do you think people, like, let's say India, for example, where maybe they don't have people around them that have a lot of money. Not some Indians do. Right. Just as uh, one place. Should like, I walk out of here? Yeah, you're like, <laughs> ah, don't jump to the country. That way. Yeah. <laughs> or like Africa or whatever, you know, like countries that are known for not having it. Because there's a lot of people in my audience who are like, I don't have friends around me. I can ask for a hundred bucks. Yeah. I guess how would you, you know, kind of have them think about that? There's also poor people in America too. There's poor people everywhere. But you're saying ask for I'm saying that they don't have a network of people around them with that could buy things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I don't know the answer. I'm also. Well, I think the internet is the equalizer, right? So, like, I employ people that are in the Philippines, that are in India, that are in wherever, right? They found me and I'm there, you know, like, I'm paying them money because they went to the internet to find a customer who had disposable income ready to pay for their skills and service. So, hop on Upwork, right? Hop on Fiverr and put your skills on the line there because you'll be able to find a larger market than maybe in your neighborhood you'd be able to find. Internet's everywhere, dude. The other thing I do, like I always think about this, like why don't more people do this, which is you go find the person in your city, town, whatever, that does have money, like the the factory guy for the restaurant, rubber soles, the shoes, store. whatever. And you just go and you say, hey, you know, I'm a young entrepreneur. I really want to be successful like you someday. And like, I know that you must have a million things on your plate. Is there something that I could do for you that would take one headache away from you. And you pay me whatever that's worth to you. And trust me, I'll, I won't be disappointed. I'm doing this for the experience because, you know, if you invite to rub shoulders with you, it's going to work out for me. That's beautiful. You go say that, you're going to find out what's this person like. You're going to earn their trust. You're going to make some money. Like, you're going to skip the queue of like getting a job at the front lines. And so I, I'm I surprised more people that. don't do that because every CEO has a bunch of headaches or like things they want to do that on the time. And you come in and you say, I'm ready to hustle. That's beautiful, dude. Like, there, I have thought about that with like Mitchell and Jeremy on the YouTube team. Not that it's a, you know, I've been, you know, internet, interneting 20 years. I'm like, yo, you're going to now shortcut the relationships. You can shortcut like the right. experience, the knowledge and some capital. If you guys, as you guys want to go on potentially in the future, do your own things. Yeah. Hopefully they, they want to keep working with me. Uh, the other thing on that, that same note that's interesting is that you can also be a Twitter person with any type of phone, more or less anywhere in the world or a content creator on any right. of these platforms where they host it. They bring it on and a lot of them are now paying you. Right. You can do that literally today anywhere. Yes. Without any cost. Totally. That's wild. Like I was watching a video in the um, dental office today about primitive house building. Some guys, it looked like Sri Lanka. Yeah. Or some like really, they literally just, just build a house with and like, someone's on the phone recording it and they upload it. I don't even think it has any sound. Right. Millions of views. They're probably making, I don't know, 20 to 50 K a month from just documenting things they're doing normally. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a bunch of these channels on YouTube. There's like a whole rabbit hole to go down of like, you know, like I wanted to do some work in my backyard 
and it's like you got to build a whatever it's called, like uh, something wall. I'm sure retaining wall. Retaining wall. And I, I ended up in like the retaining wall section of YouTube. Oh, it's pretty interesting. And these dudes have like hundreds of thousands of views. And I'm like, this is actually really valuable because if I'm going to do this project, it's like a $50,000 project. So, you know, this YouTuber is actually carving out a pretty valuable little niche for themselves. And again, it's authentic to them. This is actually what they do. Because it's authentic to them, they're competing with very few people because most content creators don't do this content. So, for you know, the one guy who had like the DSLR camera was like just miles ahead of everybody else because he was the only guy who brought any like one best practice to the table in his niche. And so I thought that was that. I love that. Oh, I do think more and more people, I don't know, you know, I'm less searching Google for things. I'm more asking my friends, maybe a little Google reviews, but I'm like asking friends and then I kind of go to YouTube for a lot of these questions now. And so if you want to make money, you can be the new like distribution channel for retaining walls. And it can't even be geographically specific. Yes. Like there's people I met, uh, Lincoln, I think his name is, he is the Austin Flipsters. So they do house buying and selling in Austin, but I think they're making good money just talking about housing now in Austin. That's great. Yeah, if I, if I see two search results, one says pool cleaning, the other says pool cleaning Bay Area, I'm just going to click that video because that's like way more relevant to me, right? Hell yeah. yeah. All right. I think we, we got a time out here. Sean Purry, My First Million. is a, The sequel is My First Billion. Well, yeah. Give me a few years. So check out Sean Purry, My First Million. That's right. Check out your course. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Was, uh, is there Just follow me on Twitter. That's the, that's the place you can get on Twitter.com slash SeanVP. S-H-A-A-N-V-P. Stay tuned for another episode. Check out My First Million and Twitter.com slash SeanVP. See ya. Thanks, y'all. That's a wrap. I hope you loved the episode. If you did, go check him out. It's Sean on Twitter at Sean, S-H-A-A-N-V-P. Also, subscribe to My First Million podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or that's it. That's all the only place you guys listen to. Maybe Overcast. Next, text a friend you love him. Yo, dog, let's go brainstorm some business ideas together. And before you go, tweet at me at Noah Kagan and let me know what you thought of this episode. Also, if you're a creator, go list your software booker course on appsumo.com slash sell. Creators are making stupid buku bucks, $50,000 a day. It's crazy. I literally think this is one of the best new opportunities for people who are making software or want to do cool things online. Go to appsumo.com slash sell. Finally, a couple shout outs to the amazing team. Thank you to Jason at podcasttech.com. He does everything for these shows. Thank you to Mitchell, Jeremy, Hubert, Jonathan, Sasa, Jen, and Cam from the Dork Team. Y'all rock. Finally, shout out to Jarrett. Man, you have come a long way, brother. I'm really proud of you. Senior Partnership Manager at AppSumo uh, for doing Voodoo TV Player. Plus, he's promoted a bunch of other amazing products to the Sumolings. Awesome work, man. Have a magnificent day. What's your favorite sushi roll? Sushi roll.